You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. Hey everyone, it's Call Me Adam, and I'd like to take a moment to thank you for tuning in and listening to my show. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Patreon family for supporting this podcast on a deeper level. If you want to support this podcast even more, become a member of my Patreon family, where you can get a variety of backstage perks. Visit patreon.com slash callmeadamnyc for more information. Now, on today's episode of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam on the Broadway Podcast Network, I am chatting with Mary Lane Haskell, who you know from portraying Dolly Parton's childhood school teacher, Miss Moody, in Dolly's TV movies, Coat of Many Colors and Christmas of Many Colors. What you might not know is that Mary Lane is a 30-year-old woman who suffered a stroke just months before the global pandemic. When we come back, we are going to tumble out of bed and stumble into this interview with Mary Lane Haskell and talk to her about her famous Aunt Dolly, as well as being a stroke survivor and learning how to love yourself. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Mary Lane Haskell. Hi, Mary Lane. Hi, Adam. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you on the show. Um, we actually first met when we actually first met through Scott Coulter when yep. you did his um, 54 Sings Dolly concert and yes. you, you sang Dolly's song, The Seeker, I did. which I love. And I still remember your performance. Oh, gosh, thank you. It's a deep cut, but it's one of my favorites. Yes. Yes. We are going to talk about that song a little later in the interview. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert. Um <laughs> But we also then reconnected when you directed Blake McIver's show at the Lori Beachman Theater, uh, his Barbara Streisand show. um, Yes, Blake Sings Barbara. Yes. And and now I'm thrilled to have you all to myself here on the show because I love following you on Instagram and Facebook. And you do so much for... um, for women um, in, in, in all your postings about being body positive. And uh, I, I think it's, it's so fantastic. So um, why don't we, why don't we wait on that? Cause that'll be a little bit of a heavier conversation and let's start yeah. with some fun stuff. We'll talk about your acting um, and we'll talk about your aunt Dolly. Um, so let's first start. Why don't you share with everybody sort of how you're related to Dolly um, we'll start with that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, my father represented Dolly. Um, gosh, they've been working together um, for 30 years. So pretty much my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I met her for the first time, I believe when I was about six. And as a lot of people know, Dolly never had children herself, but she practically raised a a lot of her younger siblings. So they are sort of like children to her. And then their children are like her grandchildren. And to take it one step further, she loves just kind of collecting what she calls her nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I've been one of her, um, gosh, 
I don't want to say fake niece because it's very real to me, Mm -hmm. but she is my Aunt Dolly. Um, She kind of took me under her wing from a very early age. We would have sleepovers on her bus. Um, We would have sleepovers when she'd be in Los Angeles um, at her Malibu beach house. And I would get to wear her wigs and try on all her clothes. There is a photo album of all of these pictures under lock and key. Oh my gosh. (laughs) One of my most prized possessions. (laughs) Um, But she has just always been such a supporter of mine. I mean, gosh, even when I did my very first middle school musical, when I was in the seventh grade, I played the artful Dodger in Oliver. (laughs) And Dolly Parton rolled up at the Viewpoint School in Calabasas, California, to see me play the Artful Dodger. And everyone was like, what is happening? Oh my God. Dolly's in the house. (laughs) And she has just always been such a loving and nurturing and just joyful presence in my life. Mm -hmm. And so to have reconnected with her at this time in my life in this chapter as a working professional, not only, gosh, when I got the call to audition for Miss Moody in Code of Many Colors, and that worked and getting to work with her in that regard and telling her story and her family's story mm-hmm. was such an honor and sort of a full circle moment for me. And then when it was such a success and 16 million people tuned in, we got a sequel, honey. Mm -hmm. We came back with Dolly Parton's Christmas of Many Colors, Circle of Love, which, yes, is the longest title of a television movie (laughs) in the history of television movies. Um, But we got an Emmy nomination for that, which was just so exciting. And then that kind of led to her being hotter than ever Mm-hmm. and um, getting the Netflix series. Um, yes, which, which you I, were in as well. Yes, I was. Mm-hmm. I played another teacher, um, which was so exciting and kind of got to pay homage a little bit to Miss Moody, which was so fun. But um, going back to just my personal relationship with her, when you're six years old and you meet an icon, mm-hmm. you don't know that they're an icon. hmm You know, you don't know the breadth of their catalog. You don't know the breadth of their reach and their impact on the world. To me, she was always just my Aunt Dolly. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. it wasn't until, I want to say, like, high school. Because we would sing together. Mm -hmm. You know, she'd play her nails. And we'd sing 9 to 5. And we'd sing The Seeker and um, kind of our favorites, but it wasn't until I was maybe in high school and I think going through my first breakup Mm -hmm. that I really dove in to like her catalog. And I was Mm. like, oh my gosh, this woman is speaking to my heart. Mm -hmm. Like the way she writes, she's one of the most prolific songwriters, I want to say of the century. Yes. opinion. And what a lot of people don't know about her is that she gets up every morning and writes a song. Mm. It might be 16 bars. Mm -hmm. It might be three minutes. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. whatever she's feeling and whatever the spirit moves her in that morning, but she creates. And when you look at her songbook, the breadth of her catalog, it's no wonder that she has hundreds of songs because Mm. to this day, she gets up every day and is like, I'm going to write something. And maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. Maybe it ends up being on a record and being a world wide hit maybe mm-hmm. it's just you know in her trunk mm-hmm. oh my gosh when you were going through that breakup what what was the first like song of hers that you like that you that you heard that you were like this is speaking to my situation right now oh man the grass is blue oh yes right yes oh yes because the opposite is true. Everything just feels upside down. Mm-hmm. Nothing is right with the world. The sky is green and the grass is blue mm-hmm. um, because this person has left your life. And it was very melodramatic. I mean, I was yeah. 15 years old. <laughs> we were definitely just at the stage of like, our parents would drop us off in the movie theater once a week. Right. You know? <laughs> nothing, nothing too intense, but still I was like, ah! the grass well, <laughs> exactly exactly i mean dolly always has a song no matter what you're going through she does she has something i mean when i was coming out and discovering my gayness uh i mean i definitely listened to um just the way i am mm. i r- resonated with me um from straight talk uh when uh, thought I couldn't dance because she has that line in the song. There's a lot of closet dancers out there. Yes. Um, and I mean, light of a clear blue morning, mm. um, brave little soldier when I was yeah. like getting ready to come out. Absolutely. Um, I mean, she has, there's just a song for every, every moment you're going through in life. Mm-hmm. There is a Dolly song that that you can relate whether to. Whether it's joyful, whether it's triumphant, yes. whether it's sad and heartbreaking, mm-hmm. or whether you need you need a little kick in the butt, she's there for you. Yes, yes. I mean, better get to living. When that yes. came out, I was like, yes. the The moment we're born, we start to die. One hundred percent. You have to start pushing yourself more. Yeah. I mean, there's always something. And then to get to see you on TV with her in um, Code of Many Colors and Christmas of Many Colors. And your storyline as Miss Moody, it's just, it's so beautiful the way, the way like you talk about Dolly sort of taking you under her wing, the way Miss Moody took Dolly under her wing. And especially, yeah. uh, I might be getting my movies confused. I think it was the second movie where Dolly came to Miss Moody's house. Yes. Yes. And, you know, she's just like, oh my God, fascinated by how you're living. Yes. And, and, and um, in, in the indoor plumbing. Yes. <laughs> yes. And just like the way you, the way you um, uh, portrayed her and, and the love that you had for Dolly. And I mean, I, I felt like you had that for all of the students, but especially for Dolly, it's just beautiful. Oh, well, thank you so much. You're welcome. And Miss Moody was actually sort of, a compilation of several of Dolly's school teachers. Mm. And, um, you know, she worked with our writer, Pam Long, and just told stories. I mean, they worked together for weeks during the development of these movies, Mm. just talking about stories from her life. And Mm -hmm. so 
whether it was from the first film, The Essay Test, Mm -hmm. Dolly writes her essay in Miss Moody's English class about um, one day she's going to become a star. Yes. You know, the the prompt for for anyone who hasn't seen the film, Miss Moody asks the class to write a short essay about their favorite celebrity. Mm-hmm. And of course, six-year-old Dolly Parton writes about herself. Mm-hmm. Dolly Parton, rising star of the Grand Old Opry. And it's just so profound and, mm-hmm. you know, just the way that she sees her future so clearly and so brightly and is so unafraid to dream, mm-hmm. I think is such an inspiration for so many children who tuned in. And I think that's why it resonated so much with that younger audience because mm-hmm. kids were looking at that and saying, well, if she could be as small and as young as me and have those dreams and make them come true, then there's no reason why I can't too. And I mean, hell for an adult. <laughs> yes. That's a great lesson. Yes. I was going to say, how, how has that uh, helped you in your own life and, and with your own career aspirations? Oh my gosh. Well, especially as you all know, in this industry, you know, it's certainly not for the faint of heart and you've got to play long game. And you can't be in it for instant gratification mm-hmm. because more often than not, that instant gratification isn't going to come. Mm-hmm. It's the gratification that comes after you've hustled and hustled and pounded the pavement and put in the work and gone on the auditions and done the blogs and done the radio shows and done just waiting and working and putting in the work and putting in the effort until something lands and until something hits. And for her, you know, to hear her story of coming from nothing, Mm -hmm. I mean, getting to spend the time that I have spent in Sevier County, Tennessee, I mean, it really is the backwoods. Mm -hmm. Like, and so for her, to have had to get in the car and drive an hour with her Uncle Billy to Knoxville just to sing little jingles on the radio. Mm-hmm. And then to see from where she started to being this icon global superstar. Mm-hmm. It And it's all about the work. She never gave up. She never took anything for granted. And that is certainly gosh, inspiring to say the least. I was trying to find a better word for it because inspiring feels like kind of an understatement. Yes, yes, but but it is. Absolutely inspiring for anyone wanting to pursue a career in the artistic field Mm -hmm. to be reminded that there are going to be those ups and downs and there Mm -hmm. are going to be hardships and trials and tribulations. It's not, Mm -hmm. she didn't just get out of the bed and become a superstar. She right. had to really work and show up day after day to make her dreams a reality. So that's definitely a reminder on the days when I wake up, whether I've I've gotten bad news, I made it really mm-hmm. far in a casting process and it went to another girl mm-hmm. and I just want to stay in the bed and mm-hmm. feel sorry for myself. It's It's definitely that reminder to, well, if you do that, then it'll never happen. Right. So definitely take some time and lick your wounds, but then you got to get back out there. Yes. Yes. And one, one, one last um, 
Dolly question before we move on. Um, so what's like your favorite uh, like childhood memory of the activity you did with her? Like, I mean, you mentioned you had sleepovers on the bus or when mm-hmm. she came to LA, but is there something that like, you know, that, that you hold on to that you're like, this is just something that I got to do with my aunt that like nobody else would get to do. Well, more personal. We have a restaurant in Los Angeles. It is a Mexican restaurant in the San Fernando Valley, which is where I grew up in Los Mm -hmm. Angeles. And it is not fancy. Um, It is called El Torito and we just love it. And we have Mm -hmm. been going there since I was a little kid. And she gets fajitas. <laughs> and I get a quesadilla. <laughs> and um, just having those memories, again, like being in a place that is so just everyday casual mm-hmm. with an icon. Mm-hmm. Like when I, when I look back on those memories and we still go, now like (laughs) i'm more cognizant of it now when i walk in with her and see everybody like wait a minute why is dolly parton at el torito in the san fernando valley yes um but when i was little you know we would i i didn't notice any of it because again as i as i touched on earlier i didn't get it Mm -hmm. right Right. she she was larger than life but she was larger Mm -hmm. than life to me Mm-hmm. I didn't realize she was literally larger than life. That, yes. her, that her just existence yes. reached far beyond my wildest dreams. Yes. Um, so going to that restaurant when I was little. <laughs> mm. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into a little bit of a heavier conversation. Let's so do don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Mary Lane Haskell. Priceline presents... Go to your happy price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Febreze is a proud partner of Can't Cancel Pride. However you choose to express yourself, Febreze has the perfect scent to make your home even more fabulous in your own unique way. Have an amazing pride from Febreze. Hey, y'all. My name is Mary Lane Haskell, and you're listening to Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. And now we're back. Let's start with your stroke first, and then we'll move into your body positivity advocacy. Three months before the pandemic, mm-hmm you you had a stroke um you're you're very young you're in your 30s um so can you sort of take us through any like warning signs you had or what kind of happened and absolutely um 
Gosh, well, it's so interesting because with me, it just started as a headache. Mm-hmm. You know, is the scariest thing in the world for any kind of hypochondriac to hear. <laughs> or anything, yes. you, know, you think you're just going through caffeine withdrawal. <laughs> so sometimes there are no big signs. I mean, mm-hmm. with strokes, most of the time you're looking for, you know, loss of movement, mm-hmm. or you're looking for if your face starts to droop. Mm-hmm. or um, paralyzation. Um, I didn't have any physical symptoms beyond the headache. Mm. Um, I was having some eyesight difficulty. Mm-hmm. My vision got very blurry. And I was having really strong sensitivity to stimuli. Mm-hmm. But again, mm-hmm. you look at all those things, and if you're a person who's familiar with migraines, all of those things actually fall into the category of a migraine. Yes. So the first time I went to the emergency room, um, knowing there was something wrong, I had actually gotten into a car accident. Oh, wow. I was doing um, ADR. I had gone in to do some ADR for a project, and I was coming home from the studio and was on the freeway in L.A. and got sideswiped. Mm by a car and thank God everybody was okay. But I quite literally, you know, people say I I never saw them coming. Mm -hmm. Um, But I quite literally didn't see the car. Mm -hmm. I heard the crash, Uh um, but I didn't know it was me. Mm. Um, Until the car kind of swerved around me, pulled over and the girl got out and started screaming at me. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Something (laughs) must have happened. I pulled over and I was very confused, which again Uh is another, another symptom, but Uh you know, it could, in my, in my situation, it could have very easily just been, she's a little panicked. She just got Mm -hmm. hit on the freeway. She's got a migraine, all of the things. Mm -hmm. So when I went to the emergency room and told my whole story, the doctors, and again, it was a Monday night in the emergency room, and everybody's just doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. But they did. They they sent me home with migraine medicine. They they wouldn't do a scan. I asked. I just I knew something felt wrong. I knew something was off, and they just they were they thought I was being a bit hysterical because mm-hmm. I had been in a car accident and had a migraine. Right. And wow. so I went home. And they did send me home with um, directions to go see my general practitioner um, mm-hmm. to get a referral for migraine treatment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I called my GP and then he couldn't see me for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So my appointment with my general practitioner wasn't until this was on a Monday night and my appointment wasn't until Thursday morning. Oh, wow. So I was in my apartment and I live alone. Uh-huh. Thank goodness my, my brother and his whole family are in LA. Um, so my brother was coming over and checking on me and, you know, bringing me water bottles and bringing me Gatorade, just trying uh-huh. to keep me hydrated because I was throwing up. Oh, wow. So for all of those days, I was, 
I couldn't keep anything down. I was throwing up, which again, all of a sudden you've got severe headache. You've got vision impairment. You've got Mm -hmm. vomiting. Now, all of a sudden my symptoms are starting to look more serious. Mm. And had I shown up at the emergency room with the added vomiting, they Mm. may have treated my case differently. Mm. Because I wasn't there yet, they went ahead and sent me home. By the time I got in to see my GP and I had been throwing up for three days with this headache, with all of the things, and he did a little um, visual field test Uh because I kept saying, I feel like I can't see. I feel like I can't see. And sure enough, my peripheral vision was completely gone. Wow. And so he, again didn't think I had had a stroke because Mm -hmm. I was 30 years old and completely healthy. Mm -hmm. When you look at a healthy 30 year old stroke, isn't unless you've had one of those big symptoms, like the loss of movement of an arm or the loss of your leg. Um, Without those big telltale signs, stroke isn't the first thing you're looking at with a 30 year old Mm -hmm. healthy person. Right. Right. So he ordered the MRI um, just to see what was going on. I think he thought it was something behind my eyes. Uh-huh. I, th- I think. I, I don't remember a whole lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, you certainly have detailed a lot of it, con- all things considering. Well, so. um, and I went to the UCLA Health Center to get my MRI. And about halfway through, they pulled me out of the machine and sent me into the ED, the emergency Mm -hmm. department. Um, I felt felt like I was on an episode of Grey's Anatomy, you know? Wow. Like, yeah, she needs to get to the ED stat. (laughs) (laughs) But no no Dr. McDreamy there. Actually, (laughs) my neuro team at the ED was very much (laughs) a Derek (laughs) Shepard. I appreciated it. But um, yeah, they. I sat in the ED, and of course, it's very frustrating because you know, when something like that happens, there's something wrong, right? And no right. one will tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. So you're just very much trying to to joke. That that's my coping mechanism. I don't know about you, but I'm yeah. very self-deprecating. I'm very. I joke as a coping mechanism in inappropriate situations. Yes, me too. Yeah. So, you know, my my gorgeous neuro doctor is in my little cubicle and he's having me touch, like, try to touch my nose and I can't touch my nose, mm-hmm. which I, I should have known there was something wrong. <laughs> right, right. Um, so we were laughing about that. And then finally, because um, he was a fourth year um, resident, uh-huh. so finally his his supervisor came in. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting up in the bed giggling and he's like, ma'am, you've had a stroke. Wow. (laughs) And I laughed. Uh I kept laughing because I, again, I was, I was, I didn't feel well by Mm -hmm. any means, but I was walking. I, Mm. I was up. I I was communicating with these doctors. Again, I, I might've been a little confused, but I was able to sort of as I did with you right now, give the play-by-play of my past couple days mm-hmm. to the nurses at intake. And 
sure enough, I was admitted into the hospital that night. Wow. And um, it, they called it a major incident. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't a massive stroke, praise God. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't um, a minor stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of like right in the middle. Uh-huh. And very, very out of the ordinary for someone my age. Mm-hmm. And did it happen in between those days that you went to the hospital initially and came home? Or or was the car accident sort of, was it at the time of the car accident? Yes. Based upon my timeline and my mm-hmm. scans, mm-hmm. I do believe that the stroke happened um, that either the Sunday night while I was sleeping mm-hmm. before getting up on the Monday to go into that with the terrible headache and feeling like I couldn't see. Oh, um, uh-huh. But again, we, and I, I really do the, the ER that I went to that night. I don't mean to drag them. Like they were just doing the best they could, Right. but they, they do believe that had they scanned me that night, they would have seen it. Mm. and could have, you know, given me the injection um, that if given in a timely manner can completely counteract Mm. the the stroke. And, um, but, you know, we we, we just didn't know. There were no telltale signs. It it looked like a migraine. Right. And considering, I mean, considering that you kept advocating while you were at that first ER saying, no, but still something's not right. Still something's mm-hmm. not right. It's like they always say you have to advocate for yourself and you advocate do. for yourself. And unfortunately, it's like, and here you were, you were doing exactly that. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, that medical staff just kept saying, you know, mm-hmm. didn't take it a step further. But one of my biggest things that I was telling all of my friends um, after this was, get a GP like Mm -hmm. even if you never go yes just have one yes go do the initial visit that whether you're um whether you're insured through the Affordable Care Act or whether you're insured through your employer that initial visit is covered Mm -hmm. and that way you're on their you're you're in their books you're on their record as a patient Yes. So if something happens, like go when you're perfectly healthy mm-hmm. and just be like, hey, my name's Mary Lane. I don't, ha- there's nothing wrong today, but I just wanted to come in for just my little get to know you physical. Mm-hmm. So that when, if something's wrong, I can come to you without incident. Yes. And because it just, there's nothing worse than having something happen and then, oh, wait this doctor's not taking new patients. This doctor's not taking, I don't, I can't find a doctor who takes my insurance and is taking new patients. Mm-hmm. So then you end up having to go to the ER. Right. And so to get care. And so definitely like I was calling all my friends who I know are sort of like, I don't need a doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm 30. I'm healthy. I'm active. You need a doctor. Mm-hmm. And again, even if you never go, Right, just, right, just to have like, one. Knock wood, mm-hmm. you know, praise God, maybe you'll never have to go. Right, exactly. Maybe all, the worst that happens is you get a cold and you just go to the Dwayne Reed or you go to the Walgreens and get some, right. and get some NyQuil and pump <laughs> it out, you know? Right. 
But, but in a case like yours, yeah, it would be very helpful had to I have. Had, had I not had my GP ready to go, like, again, I can't, especially in LA, I and I certainly wasn't in a position to go hunting for a doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, I had just had a stroke. Right. So on the off chance of being told, like, they can't see you for two weeks, they can't see you for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Yep. I didn't have that time. Right, right. So for me, it was just such a God, God wink and a blessing um, mm-hmm. that I had my doctor ready to go. Yeah. And what has the recovery been like? Because uh, now it's been, th- uh, what, three? Oh, gosh. At this point, I'm, I'm approaching my year anniversary. Oh, wow. So this happened at the end of September in 19. Okay. Okay. I, I, think I, I think I set it up at the beginning saying you had it three months before the pandemic. So apologies for the timeline. Oh, gosh. So yeah. you actually had it in and September. I didn't notice that. I, <laughs> September 30th is when they believe it happened. Okay. And so, and I guess for me, I was, I was listening to three months and that made sense because, mm-hmm. I mean, I spent most of October in the hospital. <laughs> Right, and right. Then November, December, January, and by February we were into the pandemic. Right, right. But it it wasn't three months exactly, but it was pretty quickly um, leading into it. And I I've joked on my social media a little bit that having a major stroke a couple months before a global mm-hmm. pandemic was not my best idea. Yes, <laughs> I've seen that posting. Timing has never been my strong suit, mm-hmm. um, but. I yes, I've I've mentioned that I went to a rehab facility in LA. Um, what I was experiencing um, symptomatically post stroke. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I had no paralyzation. Like that was mm-hmm. such a blessing. And I mean, I definitely have had so many guardian angels looking out for me in this process. Like every doctor, or every time my rotation would change and a new doctor would come in or a new nurse would come in and they'd see me for the first time and they'd have my chart and they would see what had happened to me and the size of my stroke Mm. and they would look at me sitting up in the bed and they'd go I remember one nurse specifically went wait I'm in the wrong room what's your name and I said Mary Lane Haskell and then they started asking like all of these questions that I would only know the answers to mm-hmm. the social security number and blah, 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 blah. Because I looking at me and then looking at my chart, it didn't match. Right. All of the doctors said that this should have and could have been so much worse mm. than it was. Mm. And so for me, the first step I think in my recovery mm-hmm. was living in that gratitude. Mm. And staying positive in that regard, I think um, it was so helpful in those first few weeks, Mm -hmm. just living in that space of gratitude and being so grateful that I wasn't worse. But then the other thing I learned was important was to eventually allow myself to mourn the loss. Mm -hmm of what I did lose. Mm -hmm. Um, I've lost a portion of my visual field. Mm. So what they call the lower left quadrant of my is gone. Mm -hmm. And um, 
when I remember the car accident, she hit me on the front left of my car, mm. which completely makes sense now that yes. that is the part of the visual field that I lost. Right, which is why you didn't see her. I didn't see her. Mm-hmm. And so I have to do a lot of scanning. Mm-hmm. So um, when there have been, like when I got out of the hospital, the girlfriends in my Bible study in LA were like, let's go out to dinner, let's celebrate. And so mm-hmm. they took me to this restaurant and there were a lot of levels in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking at the floor and constantly having to turn my head to the right and to the left, which is what they call scanning. And that was something that I learned in the rehab facility. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I don't scan a good five or six feet ahead of me, mm-hmm and I don't know that something's there, I won't see it. Oh, wow. And so if I don't scan ahead about stairs, uh-huh. I won't see them. Wow. Or a, or when you're thinking about a, a restaurant, like mm-hmm. tables or chairs, things yes. like that. Mm-hmm. So, and they were looking at me like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, well, I just had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, my God, yeah. People laugh about it. But um, because I am doing so well um physically you don't look at me and say that girl had a stroke right Mm -hmm. and it's really interesting the empathy and the understanding that i now have Mm -hmm. for invisible illness Mm -hmm. because i'm gonna be really honest you know at the airport when they say people who need extra time to get on the airplane yes Mm-hmm. And you're looking at the people lining up. And I mm-hmm. know for me, if it's an early morning flight and I'm in a bad mood and I'm looking at these people who are per- who look perfectly able. Yes. And I'm like, oh, they just want to get their bag in the overhead bin. Mm-hmm. They're fine. Yes. And then I flew for the first mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And was in that first group. Mm-hmm. And like I was having a hard time making it down the jet bridge and I was having to hold on to the side rail and people, because I didn't look like there was anything wrong with me. Uh I was getting looks, you know, the flight Mm. attendant was coming up to me and saying like, ma'am, you really need to move it along. Wow. And I just, you know, I, in that moment, I was like, holy cow, you never know what someone's going through. Yes. And yeah. so like far be it for me or for anyone to look at any person who's asking for a little help or a little extra time mm-hmm. and judge that because yeah. you never know. Um, I can't drive anymore. Mm. Um, and there, I'm hopeful that I will be able to mm-hmm. um, down the line because when um, a stroke happens, Um, And another thing in the hospital that I was using as a coping mechanism, you know, my mother flew in to be there with me in the hospital Mm -hmm. and we would joke like, oh, that part of your brain's just gone to sleep. Yeah. It's taken a nap. It'll wake Mm -hmm. back up. And my neurologist one, one morning heard us doing that banter. And she said, I understand that that is a coping mechanism and Mm -hmm. I, I give you that, but I need you to hear me when I say that that part of your brain is dead. Wow. And I just sort of, when the D word got dropped, Mm -hmm. 
it kind of woke me up a little mm-hmm. with regard to, oh, wow, okay, um, this is going to be a little more of a journey. It's not just going to be something and I wait and then my brain wakes back up and I'm back to 100%. Right. Um, so when part of the brain dies, the rest of the healthy brain does its best to learn and compensate for what mm. the part of your brain that died used to do. Mm-hmm. Mm. And for the most part, it does a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. But there are some things that it's just not able, like for instance, the vision, my occipital mm-hmm. lobe was hit. And in the certain, in the part that affected my quadrant that I lost. Mm-hmm. And I saw a neuroophthalmologist who explained to me that yes, the other parts of the brain they just don't have the ability to to compensate for vision loss. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can compensate for it on my end, mm-hmm. like with that scanning that I was talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Um. So it it just becomes about navigating the vision loss. Uh-huh. Um. Another thing that we are waiting. Um to figure out um and this is something that i I don't really like to talk about because it does make me sad Mm -hmm. um my singing was affected oh yeah Mm. i um i it's like it's it's a really odd sensation because Mm. for me as a singer and any singer who might be listening totally gets this like there is constantly music in your head Like Mm -hmm. you're walking down the street and you're bopping and you've got a song in your head or you're singing in the shower or you're singing, like you're singing, it it could be completely unconscious. You're just cleaning your room and you're singing. It's, it's Mm -hmm. such such a part of your life. And, Mm -hmm. um, that part of my brain, it's like, I don't hear music in my brain the same way. Mm. And so when I, go to try and sing Mm -hmm. it's not that I'm tone deaf because I know when I'm wrong yeah that's why the doctors are like there's there's hope because Mm -hmm. if if you were opening your mouth to sing and you thought you were right we'd be in a much worse place than we are Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but I it's a it'll be a song that heck, I mean, any Dolly song that I've sung my whole life or um mm-hmm. that I've performed, I'll open my mouth to sing it. And as a singer, you're able to do that a cappella, just like someone says sing right. for me, and you can open your mouth and sing. You don't need a note, you don't need mm-hmm. um a backing track or anything like that. And I've lost mm-hmm. the ability to do that. Wow. Um, the notes just they're wrong. Yeah. And so um, I've had some luck and some progress singing along with people. Mm -hmm. Like I'm able to get more of the notes right than not Mm -hmm. when I'm singing along with someone, Mm. Um, whether it's a record or whether it's my mother. Mm -hmm. Um, So that gives me some hope. But um, it's definitely like a long journey and, when we talk about recovery, you know, I was given a prognosis of a year mm-hmm. for my recovery. So I was meant to be in my various rehabs, which were physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy. Mm-hmm. I was meant to be in those several times a week for a year. 
And when COVID hit, I had to stop. Right. So I only got about three months of therapy in. Wow. And so now I'm, I'm approaching my year mark, mm-hmm. but I'm nowhere near as far along as I would have been had I been able to really give that full year of therapy. Yes. And another part mm-hmm. of that therapy was um, the team at UCLA was so wonderful. They hooked me up with a voice therapist that mm-hmm. specializes in singing and music, mm-hmm. who I was supposed to start with um, after, um, back in February and COVID. And I, I wasn't able to start with her. Yeah. So oh um, that all of these things are, it's sort of TBD, you know? Yes. And yes. so I very much feel as though I am like, again, so blessed, mm-hmm. but also I was just getting used to my new normal as a stroke survivor. Yeah. And then you add on top of that, the new normal of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And for me, when they found out that COVID is linked to blood clotting, Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I um, I got put in that high risk category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because strokes are caused by blood clots. Right, and right. so I went from do your best not to get COVID to like you can't get COVID. Right. So I'm here in Mississippi with my parents. Um, that's mm-hmm. why I've been quarantining, and I am here till it's safe for me to travel again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that feeling of like, not like when, like when, when do I get back to my life? When do I, yeah. or when do I even get to start doing the work to get back to my life? Yes. Right. Cause you have all those months of physical we, therapy that you have. haven't been able to do. Yes. Yeah. And so it's definitely, we're definitely going to be playing a lot of catch up, but, yeah. um, but still just like living in gratitude, like so happy to have a family yes. that can take me in and that can yes. take care of me. And um, mm-hmm. I still have to, I, I leave the house once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I go and I get my blood tested mm-hmm. once a week still. And um, then my mom takes me through the Starbucks drive through <laughs> and it's a real treat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and- and where's the Sonic Run in oh, that? Or, yes. Yeah, because you post about that on social media. Oh, yes. Yes. Sonic yes. Runs, Starbucks drive-thrus, Dairy Queens, honey. We are in the mm. South. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. All of I it. I love it. So um, we are like, we actually are like, have to get to the end of the interview. Yes, absolutely. Um, I've been running my mouth. I apologize. No, but. This is so important and this is so important for everybody to hear because like you said, you were a healthy 30 year old and you had a stroke. So uh, sort of like in closing, what, what are there tips you could give uh, people uh, sort of, I know you, you spoke about how some of your symptoms were also symptoms of migraine, but from your experience, what's something maybe more that somebody could do who could be in your situation? Oh my gosh. I mean, just trusting your body and um, again, making sure that you are prepared Mm -hmm. with a doctor. I think just living your life and being as mindful as possible. 
mm-hmm. about um, your health and your wellness and whatever that means to you. Yes, yes. Well, this has been a great hour. I mean, I think I think this whole conversation about your stroke is going to help a lot of people out there and to just even bring awareness that it can happen to somebody so young and to see what you went through to, you know, just when they're going, if they have a, a similar situation, which I hope nobody does, but if they do, you know, just to keep pushing that advocacy for themselves and to get a doctor. And um, I, I thank you for just being so open and honest about it. Oh my and, God, of course. Um, and we are definitely, and I'm serious about this. I'm not just saying this because we're on air, but we definitely are going to have you back for a part two because I do still want to talk about all the body positivity work that you do, which is so fantastic oh, and something else that will help people. And um, and we do have to talk about um, w- another acting uh, project that's coming up, but we'll save that for the next interview. Yes, um, because, I, I look forward to it. Yeah, me too. So in the meantime, follow Mary Lane on social media. Uh, where can everybody find you? Um, Twitter, Instagram at Mary Lane Haskell. Well, follow her because you'll get to see a lot of the body positivity stuff I've alluded to. Um, the pictures are great. It's a fun, fun social media post. I always love them. And um, and you can also get updates on Mary Lane as well. So um, definitely follow her. And here at the Broadway Podcast Network, continue listening to us because we have over 70 theater and art related podcasts. So keep listening. And that's the whole interview. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him, had him, lived for the business of show. Callmeadam.com. Find more episodes of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam on the Broadway Podcast Network and everywhere you stream podcasts. Follow me on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CallMeAdamNYC. For my print and video interviews, visit my website, CallMeAdam.com. And finally, if you want to support my podcast on a deeper level, become a member of my Patreon family. Visit patreon.com slash callmeadamnyc. There, you'll get a variety of backstage perks, including advanced notice of interviews, the ability to submit a question to my guests, behind-the-scene videos, and everyone's favorite, swag! <laughs>